TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the sensational balancing act himself. He's the co-founder of the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Guys. He's Dr. Damien Christoph. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say, MP. I think there's nothing that we could say that's going to compete or compare with this gentleman that we're about to interview today, because uh, this guy's something special. Well, Damo, if you think you're a balancing act, I'm going to tell you one thing. We have a wonderful Wellness Couch Club member, Debbie. Yes. Debbie, you legend. She posted a YouTube video the other day of a magnificent man doing wonderful tricks at his custom-built playground at home. Now, our next guest is living proof that exercise, learning, and doing what you love are vital ingredients to living a magnificent life. It is with great excitement, Damo, that we head over to Geneva, Florida, feel like I should be saying Geneva, Switzerland, but we're going to Geneva, Florida for this episode of 100 Not Out. We are about to speak with a man who created a name for himself in pottery around the US and beyond. And now in his retirement, he's put together a sensational program called Never Leave the Playground. On any given day, you can find him getting around on his unicycle or his elliptical bike or balancing on a slack rope, doing some barefoot walking or possibly even throwing some knives. He's a national (laughs) hero in the U.S. for his passion and dedication to helping people prevent falls by staying active and improving balance, stability, and coordination. Mm. It is a very, very warm 100 not out welcome to Stephen Jepson. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you, and and I look forward to uh, your questions and comments, and it's going to be fun. It sure it's is. Cool. It sure is, Stephen. Stephen, um, there's not many people on the planet that are as uh, remarkable as you, and uh, and the reason why I say that straight up is because when you create a movement that's significant enough to make the news in the United States, then you've done a good job, and, and you've done that. So congratulations first up, but what was the catalyst for you going from pottery to never leaving the play, or to never leave the playground? Um, I don't actually see the link. Well, it it actually, it all started when I was very, very young. Um when I was five years old, I was turned loose on the world because my parents could not control me without being cruel to me. They would have had to chain me up or they would have had to chain me up or they would have had to lock me in a closet because when I was three, they built an enclosure around the sandbox. They built a, uh, my father put a fence around the sandbox when I was three and I escaped. And then when I was four, they put a little harness on me and they uh, hooked a, a, a tethered me to the clothesline so I could run back and forth under the clothesline, but that they, they could control my behavior that way. And then I, I escaped. And, and then when I got to be about five years old, my father gave me a wristwatch and said, Son, you will be home at 6 p.m. for dinner. And that was really the only rule I ever had growing up. Uh, and then when I got to be a, about, uh, about eight years old, um, I said, hey, hey, Mom, there's nothing to do. And my mother, was that too loud? No, no, no. And, my mother right. said, and my mother said, son, your bed needs making, the uh, trash needs uh, carrying out, and the lawn needs mowing. And, and that was the last time in my life I ever asked another human being 
to come up with something for me to do. From that moment on, pretty much I, I just followed this kind of inner drive that I had. I've always been curious as I'm a kayaker of, of what's around the next bend in the river or when I'm hiking, what's, what's around, the next, around the next group of trees, what's over the hill. So I've just had this drive just to, to keep me going and, and keep moving. Mm. And then when I was eight years old, uh, my father uh, took me about two or three o'clock in the morning to Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. Have you ever heard of those names? Nice. Right. Okay, it's a big circus in the United States. Huh. And in, in, in 1949, when I was eight, the circus came to Sioux City, Iowa, on a tra in train cars. And my dad took me down there in, uh, in a, uh, to watch him set up the, the tents and the, all the scurrying around that all the people did. And the last thing that happened was that using the elephants, they, they pulled up the big top, which held a three-ring circus. And later on that afternoon... Uh, my mother, well, maybe 4, 35 o'clock, my mother and father took me to my first circus. We didn't have a TV set. It was 1949. We didn't have a TV set. And I was sitting there watching, and out comes this odd little car, and all these guys pile out. Then they were clowns, and one of them begins to juggle. And I had never seen, I'd never seen juggling before in my life. And, uh, and I said to myself internally, I said, I can do that. And today I can, and I teach it. A little bit later, uh, from around a curtain at the circus, here comes uh, somebody on a unicycle, a clown on a unicycle. And for, for the first time in my life, I saw somebody on a, a unicycle. And I said to myself, uh, I can do that, and here today I teach it. And then a, a little bit later, out comes this little man wearing tights, a tight shirt and, a, and tight pants, and, and he had a cape, and on the back of the cape it said something like, Rolando the Magnificent. And this guy took off this cape, and he scurried up, the, scampered up this little ladder, and he tightrope walked. And so for the first time in my life, I saw someone tightrope walking. And I said to myself, I can do that, and I teach it. Now, it took me, yeah, I didn't learn to tightrope walk until I was 55. So it took me from the time I was eight until I was 55, kind of thinking about it, but finally. And then a little bit later, uh, we went to the sideshow at the circus, and I saw a man throwing knives at a, actually it was a woman on this big thing spinning around, and <laughs> the knife went thunk, thunk, thunk. And I said, thought to myself, oh, I can do that. <laughs> and, uh, and I throw knives like the man in the circus. I love it. Oh, can you keep going? You've got oh, me, you've got me around it. your little fingers, Stephen. This is fabulous. So, all right, so you see the man throwing knives. I want to know, how does, how does pottery fit into all of this? Because pottery seems so, I suppose, um, this is a, the complete polar opposite. It's so still. It's so well, It's romantic. It's like so, ghosts. No, 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 no. I'll tell you the story. When I was going to college, uh, I went to college for 10 years uh, during the uh, during the 60s, uh, from uh, 1959 until 1971, I spent most of my time in college. The Vietnam War was raging, and it was better to be in college. And uh, so I, I was studying pre-med and pre-dent. I'm going to be a dentist or a, a doctor. And near the end of my college, uh, uh, undergraduate college, I took a course in pottery. And I, was, I had such good eye-hand coordination, and it was so much fun. I'd been lifting weights, so I was real strong. And I was able to, to make pottery pretty much almost 
instantly. And so I thought, oh, I don't have to be a doctor. I can be a potter. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it was my ticket to ride. I, I love it. I, uh, and so uh, do, you, do you gentlemen know the term flow, F-L-O-W, to be in the flow? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. So th- that guy with the, the long name with all those consonants in it, the Polish name or something that wrote the book? the flow anyway oh. so so i bought that book about 30 years ago yeah it's a kind of a famous book it's a famous concept and i thought and this guy's talking about how how Damn some it. people are lucky are fortunate enough to be to find something that they love to do that involves their hands or their body in some kind of activity and i you could be a saddle maker or you could be a jeweler or you could be a dentist just lots of different things a person could be using their hands that were you, time goes by, and you're just lost in the moment. And so I spent 35 or 40 years just lost in the moment of making pottery. And then, uh, and then I, I quit making pottery. Uh, I just decided that uh, I just didn't want to do that as much as I wanted to do other things. And I read about how elderly people, um, there's something called the CDC in America, the Center for Disease Control. Yep. And the, and they keep track of they keep track of diseases and they keep track of people aging and all they got all different kinds of things that they care about human health in, um, in the United States. And so I ran across the CDC figures for oh I learned to snowboard at the age of 60. <laughs> I, 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 awesome. I learned to I learned to to walk on a loose rope. I, I balanced on a loose so rope a long time before I could actually walk on it. I learned to ba- so to, uh, to balance on a loose rope in a, in my mid 60s, and and so and I learned and I I learned to juggle clubs. Just last year I learned to juggle clubs in my 74th year. <laughs> I learned to juggle clubs, and uh, and so so I just I just anyway I learned about I heard about how bad it was for people to fall down over the age of 65 in the United States yeah. and, the, and the and the statistics are if a person in the United States well last year two million people over the age of 65 fell down in the United States and went into the emergency room of those two million people one million were admitted to the hospital wow. of those one million that were admitted to the hospital a certain number had broken their hip if you break your hip over the age of 65, 20% of that number is going to be dead in a year, and 80% of the remaining number is never going to live independently again in their lives. So I thought, my God, I've got this wonderfully trained balance that just seems like a fun, natural thing for me to do. I'm going to begin to, to, I'm going to, begin to talk to older people about, about their balance and balance training so they don't fall down and they don't break their hip and they don't get injured. So I began to go to university clubs and public libraries and uh, senior centers and hospital groups and and just to talk to elderly folks about falling down and the people that showed up for my talk were 60 70 80 some of them 90 years old they all drove to my talk they were uh, living independently i was preaching to the choir and so i that, that wasn't very satisfying to me to be talking to people who already who already I uh, knew what to do. They were living independently. They were fixing their own food. They were going to the grocery store. They were doing stuff. So then I began to read and read and read about what um, uh, physical, the kind of physical training that I, have, that I have done, what kind of positive effect it had in the brain. And I began to learn more and more about how our hands and our feet 
uh, training them enriches our brain. It creates something called cognitive reserve, and it's a supercharged way for enriching the brain to, to, to train your hands and feet, both the right and left hand and the right and left foot, to do new things, new novel things on a regular basis causes the enrichment of the brain unlike anything else. When I do my presentation, I say that when we came out of our mama's tummy, when we were born, you take a newborn baby and you put it up on a table. We, and I, and I, when I do my talk, I don't use PowerPoint at all. I just, I'm just there with all my games and toys. And I get up and I lay down on the table and I got this uh, microphone that's uh, remote. It's no cordless mic. And I'm laying there on the table and I say, and, and when we were just this little tiny tight just out of our mouth, we couldn't even lift our heads up off the table. And then I say at nine, at nine months, most of us could walk. At two, most of us could, could run quick steps, go upstairs, downstairs, kick a ball. And then at three, and then I squat way down and put my hand up in the air like I'm walking with my mother, like I'm a little tiny tyke, and I'm walking with my mother and father to the, to, along. And my, our mother and father take us to this, this new place where there are giants running around, and these giants are screaming, and they're yelling, and they're laughing, and these giants are on swings, and they're on teeter-totters, and they're on slides, and merry-go-rounds, and monkey bars, and, 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 and they're kicking balls, and playing jacks, and Jeff, well, the giants are five years old, and six years old, and seven years old, and eight years old, and we join them at about three, and we, so we go on the playground, and we learn all of this physical stuff. And it's the similar kind of stuff that human beings have learned for a million eight hundred thousand years. For a million eight hundred thousand years, we were something called hunter-gatherers, and so as hunter-gatherers, we constantly got better. For a million eight hundred thousand years, uh, getting better at hunter-gathering using our right and left hand and our right and left foot, and we were careful about where we placed our feet because we were barefoot. Uh, and so we, 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 every day was novel as hunter gatherers. Most every day was novel. We moved almost every day quite a bit. And it turns out sedentary behavior is killing us. Science, modern technology is killing us. Our remotes are poised. Our, I, when I do my talk, I, I take this plastic bag and I dump it out on the table. And all these things fall out. And the, I say, what have I got here? And the people in front row say, oh, those are remotes or cell phones or something. I say, and I sit down in the chair and I put my feet up. I say, yeah, and I got a remote for the lights. And I got a remote for the fan. I got a remote for the air conditioner. I got a remote for the stereo. I got a remote for the TV. I got a remote for the garage door. I got a remote to start the car. I say this kind of stuff is killing us. We've got to get up and move and be physically active. We humans were born to move. We were born to be active. And sedentary behavior, in fact, there's a real famous study that was done in Australia, I just recently read about, and there's, called, there's something called deep vein thrombosis. Thrombosis, where yep. Where sitting, for, and you can be a you can be a runner, you can be a tennis player, but if you sit for a long time, I, when I'm up in front of people, I say, "Are you aware that the artery that goes down the inside of the groin, the the femoral artery, is big enough to put your thumb in? It's big enough because I've been in the operating room when they were removing blood clots from people's." femoral arteries is big enough to put your thumb in. I say people sit for hours reading uh, or watching television or at their computer and they're not moving and they'll, they got really good blood clotting qualities and they'll, <laughs> uh, blood, will, uh, uh, blood will clot down in that, in that deep, uh, in their uh, femoral artery. They get up and move and they are dead when they hit the floor. Mm-hmm. It, it, it dislodges, it goes to their, their lungs or their heart. Anyway, it's crucial to keep moving. And if you, train your, if you train your right and left hand and your right and left foot, all of your life you're going to create something called cognitive reserve, which is going to prevent. Is, 
I, I tell people I'm going to put the odds in your favor. I will put the odds in your favor. I will guarantee statistically that if you do the kind of things I do, you're not going to get dementia, Alzheimer's, and possibly Parkinson. Oh. This is oh. so impressive. This is great. <laughs> this is absolutely fabulous, Stephen. All right, so I've got to ask you this because it, particularly in the chiropractic world, and Damien here, one of the greatest chiropractors in the world, and my oh, wife is a chiropractor, yeah. and there's a very big focus on left and right integration. Uh, but a absolutely, lot of it's crucial. Have, yeah, a lot of people have never really learnt about this or even heard about it because a lot of people say, well, I'm left-handed or I'm right-handed, and they don't really think of it as a, not a problem, but they don't think that it's important to have any level of integration. Do you want to maybe just give um, some of the reasons why, but then what I want to, I want to make, I want to make my hands and feet quicker and more accurate. And then, and I want to make my audience's hands quicker and more accurate. And, and this is going to help them not, not fall down. Or I tell people, if you're walking along, if you're elderly and you're walking along and you begin to fall and you're walking with somebody, I say, reach over and grab a hold of them for, for sure. Reach over and grab a hold of them and drag. Broken your hip. I, that, that what, my, what my talk does for people is put the odds in their favor. And all we have to do is train our right and left hand and right and left foot to do new, novel things on a regular basis. I learned to juggle clubs in my 74th year. Nice. And this year I'm learning to uh, – uh, actually, I'll be 74 my next birthday, so this is my 74th year. But, but this, this uh, uh, calendar year, 2015 – I have chosen to uh, to get better at juggling four objects, and uh, and I'm going to learn to keep a soccer ball in the air by kicking it like the so- like professional soccer players do. They can just kick a ball and just keep it up in the air, yeah. or a hacky sack, that that kind of thing. It it has the effect it has the effect of causing you. I tell people that w- that what I do is going to make them is going to make them uh, beautiful. And it's going to make them. Uh, let me just see if I can find this here. It's going to make them. Uh, it's going to make them younger, smarter, and more beautiful. And people think, well, how can training your hands and feet make you younger? And well, if you begin to improve on something, say you were a soccer player when you were young, and you haven't done it for 25 or 30 years, and now you begin to do it again, and you're kicking the ball around, you get better and better and better. It's like a regression, like you're going backwards and. Like you're getting younger. Your experiences, you're going back to a behavior that you were good at as a child, and your day-to-day experience is an improvement. If you pick up a skip rope, a jump rope, and, and you can just barely do it at all, and you begin to do it a little bit, and you get a little better day by day, or you begin to pick up marbles with your toes or whatever, you improve at something on a day-to-day basis, and that's the kind of experience you had when you were young. Now, smarter. How, how, can, how can doing all any of this stuff make you smarter? Well, there was a time when you couldn't walk, you couldn't run, you couldn't swim, you couldn't play basketball, you couldn't play golf, you couldn't fish, you couldn't bear, build an airplane, you couldn't fly an airplane. Well, are you smarter when you can do that stuff? Yes. 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 Good. Good. You're right there, boys. <laughs> now, now, now are, are, you, are, are you happy when you can do that stuff? Yes, I'm happy listening to doing oh. that stuff. Okay. Does that put a smile on your face? Yes. Yeah. Is, is there not, there's not a face in the world that's not made more beautiful with a smile. That's true. That nice. is true. Hey, Steve, do you have another 20 minutes up your sleeve? I'm sorry? Do you have another 20 minutes to give us? Because we would love to make this a double episode if you would be happy to give us the time. 
Okay. Oh, absolutely. Well, what have we been going? About two minutes now? Oh. <laughs> well, our time is up for this episode of 100 Not Out, but if you are happy to, we will turn this into a double episode and release a second uh, Stephen Jepson on the next uh, episode of 100 Not Out. Are you happy to do that? Oh, I would love it. You guys oh. are so much fun. Oh, this is so good. All right. Well, Damo, we'll wrap this up here. Um, and we'll come back on the next episode with Stephen Jepson. We would love to hear your feedback. No doubt you have plenty of it after such an inspiring first part of the interview with Stephen. You can provide it in any number of ways, but the best is to go to our website at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 not out. Also, remember, if you've liked this episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of podcasts available. There are nine in all, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. So until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Hi, it's Karen Smith here. Are you ready to take your life to the most incredible level possible in 2015? Are you ready to not just be the best version of you, but to inspire your tribe like never before? Now, if you've answered yes, then get ready for the wellness breakthrough. Eight of your wellness couch favorites over three incredible days and two outrageously fun nights in February guiding you to break through to the next level like never, ever before. Think of this. Cindy O'Meara. Me, Karen Smith. Kim Morrison. Quirky Cooking's Joe Whitten. Marcus Pierce. And all three of the wellness guys working specifically with you personally. Now, let's be clear. This is not a sit and listen event. This is a make shift happen retreat. Your life will never be the same again. Come with us. Join us at the Wellness Breakthrough. Now, for more information and to book your seats, go to allthews.thewellnesscouch.com. And I'm going to see you there. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.